You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. I'm Marie Claire Gould, and Lore Olympus is my perfect 10. Hello and welcome back to Perfect Ten. Uh, this is uh, this is a surprise episode. This is a special episode. You guys probably weren't expecting this one. Uh, I mean, I did kind of talk about it on the last one, but I, I you maybe weren't expecting it quite so soon. We did just put out an episode last week, and I know when I started doing this, I said that this show would be every four weeks. But what I knew was going to happen eventually has already happened. And that is that uh, I'm having so much fun doing this show and I, 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 people uh, have things that they want to come on the show and talk about uh, or just people who just want to come do like have some podcast fun. Uh, and, uh, and so here we are already uh, with a, with a, an episode in between episodes. I mean, like I have the next three months scheduled out with guests. Um, like I'm way ahead of the game. I'm so proud of myself. Uh, and then, uh, and then I, I messaged, uh, our, our guest for this episode and said, Hey, whenever you want to come on. And, uh, and she was gracious enough to be like, I'm, I got time next month. Let's do it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to figure this out. We're going to fit this in. Uh, so allow me to introduce one of my favorite podcasters, uh, certainly my favorite star Wars podcaster, uh, Marie Claire Gould from What the Force. Uh, welcome, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Perfect Ten and to talking about something other than Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank you for having me. Yeah, this is yeah. this is awesome. Uh, one of my favorite things. I'm wearing my Lore Olympus shirt uh, just for this occasion. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, th- so Lore Olympus, man. I, I this is something that that I have seen you and several other others on Twitter. I talk about on a regular basis. Um, and, uh, and I was always kind of like, yeah, that's a cool idea. I, I like it. The art, the art's good. I dig it. Um, and then a, a few weeks back, I, uh, somebody posted like a sailor moon transformation sort of animation of Persephone, uh, transforming into sort of her underworld, uh, goddess look. And I was like, I, I loved it so much. I was like, Okay, that's it. I got to start reading this, <laughs> and uh, and I downloaded the apps and everything, and I got going on it. And at the same time, uh, we were talking about you coming on the podcast, and uh, and so it just like synced up. And I was like, normally, what I do is I ask the person coming out, like the guest coming on, "Hey, what do you want to talk about?" But with this <laughs> one, I knew I knew how much you love Laura Olympus, and I was enjoying it so much that I was like, "Hey, when do you want to come do this?" And you were like, "Let's do it." soon <laughs> I was like, yeah, yes, okay. yeah there are yeah. there are many things that i could probably do an episode on oh, for sure but yeah this one is something i've actually never talked about on any of my own shows even though i created what the fiction to cover it and i haven't covered it yet because i'm waiting yeah. for word on when the animated show which is going to be done by jim henson animation is going to be coming out and it's going to be on oh, netflix wow. 
Yeah. So I was waiting for that so then I could do like yeah. a lead up for it and talk more in depth about the themes and about the story itself as well as the animation mm -hmm. uh, just to give it a good lead up and and really to the thing about podcasts like ours uh, that we run is that we enhance fandom and we build fandom by existing we do a huge favor to the <laughs> properties like yeah. Star Wars by continuing the conversation once the show is done. Yeah. And yeah. I want to give Laura Olympus a little chunk of more fandom. Not that it needs it from me, but I want to encourage more people to fall in love with it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, you you definitely encouraged me to. I I, I think uh, I, uh, your influence is probably the biggest influence for why I started reading it. So, uh, yeah, and I'm, I, I'm and, quite and, known for my good taste. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I was actually thinking about that. Um, and uh, any any time that you recommend anything, it's a it's like sometimes it's like, but I don't have time. I don't have time to get into that because I know. I know that if you are recommending it, especially if you and Ty both recommend it, like that's one of those <laughs> things where I know like I'm now I'm in trouble. Like I can't I can't get into this, uh, you know, K-drama or whatever, you know, like because because <laughs> I know that if I do, it'll just swallow me whole because because you guys are always like just right on the edge of that, uh, like the bleeding edge of, of, of that cool stuff. Um, so, but this was one where I was like, okay, this is, this is easy. Like, it's just a, it's it, not just a, but like, it's a web comic. Like I can just read it on my phone sort mm -hmm. of as I go, it's on webtoon and stuff. Um, it's fine. And then, and then, uh, I, I got, I did get consumed by it and I've like put off other things like watching Lord of the Rings or, uh, I. I, I, we only watched three episodes of Cobra Kai last night because I was like, I got to keep reading this. It's like, I got to cut this <laughs> off here because I got to keep reading Laura Olympus for tomorrow. Um, I, yeah. So yeah, it, it has really taken over. But why don't you, before we get too far into it, give us the, give us the primer. What is Laura Olympus? So Laura Olympus is, I guess she considered it herself, uh, Rachel Smythe, who's the creator of Laura Olympus, an adaptation of primarily the Hades and Persephone myth. Uh, but it really covers sort of the overarching politics and uh, stories of the gods from this very unique uh, done-again perspective where Rachel herself, and she said this in interviews, which is really great, she asked herself, well, that's a weird thing when she would be reading mythology because mm. Rachel primarily is just a myth nerd. Uh, she would say, well, that's kind of a weird, interesting thing. Like, why did the gods do that? Or what's the story there? And really just was super fascinated with the blanks. And Persephone herself as a character in mythology is... It doesn't have a lot actually said about her. There's a lot about Demeter. There's a lot about Hades. There's a lot about Zeus, obviously, and all of his torrid love <laughs> affairs, etc. But Persephone herself is a character that is not deeply explored in source material and also very rarely explored in a modern day adaptations or iterations of the myth. 
She is archetypical in so many ways and very appealing. Uh, Their love story, because it is a love story in this version, uh, their love story is, is really enticing because they are archetypically this opposites attract full sort of romance. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rachel herself just was really, really fascinated by that and wanted to answer questions that kept on popping into her head about the myths themselves, which are weird. Like we look at them from our perspective, but she also wanted to give it sort of a, a context by which the mythology could be real, also handle some modern day themes and um, situations that are things that people do struggle with, as well as, you know, using her gorgeous art style and and eye for beauty. She tells it in such an enhanced and and gorgeous way with the webtoon itself, the comic. Mm-hmm. It's just you know, the adaptation is really like a weird word because, you know, you can go and watch a Hollywood movie about the Greek gods and be like, well, I guess that's an adaptation because it's taking the text and putting it into a different format, right? It's not the text being read in its source form, but she has really taken it and iterated it to be its own universe in a way but mm-hmm. is entirely faithful to, I guess, the the feelings and what I would consider to be the mythic truth of the original mythology. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It it's um it is it is such a such an interesting uh, uh, sort of uh, hybrid of of the two things, right? It almost at times feels like fan fiction. Right. But it's fan fiction for like for something that's it's it's not a franchise. Right. It's yeah. a myth. So it's not it's some it doesn't belong to anybody. Right. Um, but it is but it is very much its own its own universe. Like you said, like it it <clears throat> beyond just the 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 gods and, and demigods and nymphs and all of that sort of thing, like it mm-hmm. it creates its own um its own set of rules of like the mortal realm is one thing and olympus is another thing and the underworld is another thing mm-hmm. and uh it's so fantastic at i the world building without ever stopping to sort of you know gorge Explain? on its own on its own yeah. nonsense which which sort of yeah is <laughs> yeah just, yeah yeah and you only ever need to know it it actually it does what i think george lucas was so good at in the original trilogy it only ever explains what it what we need to know for the story like and that is it right it we don't need to take a break and explain a million things about why this world is the way that it is um and and you know like what the rules are and um one aspect of it that i absolutely love is uh persephone exemplifies this better than any other character but so many of the characters they visually change based on their emotional state 
and it mm-hmm. has to do with their origin and their powers and all of that sort of thing. And I, I love it because it's just like, it keeps things fresh visually, but it also, it just gives us these cues as, as readers to what's going on with that character. And so when we see even when we're with other characters and we see flowers start to pop up and stuff, we know that something is happening with Persephone somewhere. Right. Yeah. Um, and it just, yeah, like there's just little things like that, that like it's, it never stops. It never explains that it never, she never like has an exposition dump where she tells everybody about how, when she gets flustered, her hair grows, right? Like it's never, it's just, it just from the get go, it's just something that happens. And like, everybody is just sort of like, nobody makes a big deal about it really. Like it's not even, it's not like, it's not even noteworthy to some characters and we just kind of keep going. Um, It's the, it's the amazing rule of show don't tell. Yeah. You know, and, and it, it lives by that. It also does an amazing job of feeling modern, Mm -hmm. but also being very self-aware that it's not modern it's it's telling something else right it's telling this alternative reality world that doesn't actually exist um so there is modern problems that that help us with our sort of plug into our modern sensibilities about social media like instead of facebook they have the facebook Mm-hmm. So it's like the Fates book. <laughs> they have, uh, you know, paparazzi. They have uh, other problems that are kind of, um, you know, brought up throughout the course of the story because it's high drama, uh, much like the original mythology. High drama, like Zeus uh, having affairs with anything that will walk, running all <laughs> over the place, etc. That's all in there. And that would be like, you know, you think like Sex in the City or something like that, that mm-hmm. that's out there or some sort of like soap opera. And it plays that as just like, that is the story. And these are these people and the, and the gods themselves. Um, if you are a god or a goddess, you have a certain amount of just power within you and all of the other immortals like the nymphs and the other creatures that happen to exist kind of immortally in this world that of lore olympus they you know kind of forget because it's become this civilized place since the dawn of time and that plays into the myths too like you think about a character like minth who is, or Minthy, Minthy, yeah, um, who is uh, just this kind of one-off line in the actual mythology. Uh, she's she's mentioned as kind of like this, um, I guess, love rival to Persephone for, for Hades. Uh, she gets, you know, her own kind of build-up and story to understand what sort of nymph would dare be a challenger to a goddess mm-hmm. and it it makes it like rich and full and you know the characters themselves are all sort of messy in different ways but also lovable and wonderful and so like I could totally see the characters themselves being quite polarizing for the most part to some people like every single character mm-hmm. is 
is polarizing, but yet also really enticing because they feel like whole individuals. They feel Mm -hmm. like whole people in the comic. With that, you end up getting just better storytelling for characters that in the original mythology or even in many, many adaptations don't get a fair shake like Hera, right? Mm -hmm. Hera most famously known for, in so many ways, torturing Heracles uh, because he was the product of an affair with Zeus. And so, you know, she's always cast as this very vengeful and uh, jealous woman or jealous goddess. But, you know, we get this version of her in the comic where she's loving, considerate, thoughtful, justified, (laughs) you know, all (laughs) of those things. And like, not that everything else about the story itself didn't sell me on it, but Hera herself being just absolutely an amazing character. And that's just like all of the women characters, especially are just exceptional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's um, I, I, the, the, there's, there's sort of an aspect of it. I, I love how it can flip back and forth between being very sort of silly and nonsensical and then on a dime, it'll get into like very, very heavy and deep um, storytelling uh, mm-hmm. and, and sort of like these these really mature themes. And it balances those two things and feels like it's always kind of, uh, you know, it's 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 tonally inconsistent in that way, but it's consistently inconsistent. Right. Like we kind of you even from the way that it's drawn and everything, you know, kind of know which vibe we're in right now. Um, yeah. And so sometimes Zeus and Hera's uh, uh, back and forth is banter. And then other times it's it's violent and it's a fight. And then other mm-hmm. times it's like it's very um, uh, like like dramatic. And, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of pain and hurt going on. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it's it's just I think it's I think it is probably the greatest strength of it from my perspective is is in the way that it is able to balance all three of those things um and uh and and take these characters that we know from a variety of sources right uh, yeah. i mean the majority of my greek mythology uh knowledge started in the 90s with the i hate to say it because he's turned into a real terrible human being now um actually it's kind of fitting because uh he can't he he made hercules seem like such a nice guy in in his series kevin sorbo but uh, it it turns out that in real life he's a lot more like heracles than he was hercules because hercules i always like to think is kind of like the almost like that disneyfication of that character but in the in the actual myth heracles is not a great guy he's just he's a hero which didn't mean good person it just meant that he did these amazing tasks these uh Herculean tasks, right? Uh, we have so much yeah. of our nomenclature that's built around it. Um, so, so like that is that informs so much of my perspective on this stuff. But then, um, you know, this takes this takes sort of the, that source stuff and just uh, like you're saying, like like a character like 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 Minthy and just like spins that out, and she becomes this amazing complex character 
uh, and there's a turn at, at one point. I don't want I I, I want to like avoid some of the bigger spoilers mm-hmm. um, so that people can enjoy it. But but she has a bit of a turn at one point, um, and I uh, and and it really really takes it to a very like like vital I think uh, uh, an interesting place to take a story in this time period or like like in this day and age and in, mm-hmm. in 2022 the sort of conversations that i think are are very worthwhile to have and then a couple chapters later it, you're back to it being silly and stuff i i, I think but yeah i think that's it, really important actually because if there isn't sort of a flow to a story where it's all dark it's all dark all the time there's no fun there's no joy it's just you know it just ends up being uh, depressing right or just constantly dark and maybe you can handle a horror movie for for you know two hours or some sort of um you know drama that ends up just being very realistic and yeah nihilistic in its telling but that's not this story this story is is mythic in nature and thus there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs the trials will pass they'll get better and fundamentally when you're dealing with a story that is focusing on archetypical opposites like Hades and Persephone the point is to find the midpoint between them how do two things that seem like they shouldn't belong together, right? The goddess of spring and the god of the underworld, i.e. the ruler of the dead after they have died, get to be married, right? (laughs) Like that's Mm -hmm. like, how does that make sense? And why does it feel so satisfying that we know that that's where they end up? Yeah. That's the point. It's the why of how they get there and how, you know, we as humans like to make sense of the senseless and to bridge the unbridgeable. We like to have things understood as to why the two polar opposite magnets or magnets that don't want to come together how how do they end up coming together? <laughs> yeah. You know, and opposites themselves and the and the way that we see those two things resolve is r- really satisfying storytelling. Yeah. Yeah, I I I I think uh, I th- I think one of the one of the 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 keys with the dynamic between Hades and Persephone it's it's very similar to to Kylo Ren and Rey, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's uh, each one of them, uh, Persephone brings out the light in Hades and sort of uh, the 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 things that he feels like he's lost over time, and uh, and then Hades brings out the darkness in Persephone and the things that she feels like she's not allowed to have that she's not allowed to feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like that's that's where and I think like that's when uh, the romantic aspect of it where you want to see them come together is that you do you do see them bring out these aspects in one another um, and like you want Persephone in the story like you want her 
to find her power, right? Like you want mm-hmm. her to reach into that darkness and smite somebody every once in a while. Cause there's a lot of people who do her wrong over the course of it that you really like, like you're that, that human, that very human need for revenge is just like, you feel it and you're like, you're like, just do it. Like, just do it. And you can see it bubbling up in her. But at the same time, like you also don't want her to lose who she is right like there's Mm -hmm. there's just this this push and pull this this um this tension with both of those characters uh that that runs throughout it that just compels you to read the next chapter in the next chapter i don't know what i'm gonna do when i catch up because i'll probably catch up in the next week or so and and you'll be paying for fast passes that's what yeah (laughs) exactly yeah like i'm already looking at that and going like i know like they've got me a hundred percent uh, I ordered volume one, two, and three. Three's not even out for uh, a few more weeks. Full weeks, but yeah. I, yeah, but I have I have all three of them ordered from my comic shop, uh, and I'm just waiting. The hard covers, I had made sure. I was like, don't I don't want the soft covers. I need the hard covers. These are to go on my shelf to be like, I love this, and this this goes next to these other things that I love, because um, I'll read it on my phone. <laughs> but yeah, uh, no, I mean, honestly, the artifacts the phone- are so important. Yeah, on the phone is is great because of the format of how Webtoon works. Yeah. She's played into sort of the the medium really yeah. well with how the art works. So it it's completely perfect on Webtoon. Um, I reread in my physical copies, mm-hmm. and yeah, they're great. They also she also includes a couple of um, sort of uh, cut scenes that she ended up adding in there so those are those are worth it to read themselves they're really great so now i'm gonna now i'm gonna have to read through them okay um i'm also excited for explanation on them too which is great i'm excited i'm excited to get the physical ones because i know that my wife crystal she would she wouldn't sit and read these things on her phone it's just not she's not she's not she's not like a, a a digital native in the way that that people like you and i are um, but she loves a book. She loves a physical book. And I just got mm. her to read Love Hypothesis. And okay. she like could she couldn't put it down. We were at the mall yesterday and she was like, I just gotta go to the bookstore real quick and get something. And I was like, I wonder what she's going to get. And she was she picked up the the new Allie Hazelwood. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, it's Love on the Brain is the new one. I Love think. on the Brain, yeah. Yeah. So she but she comes out with that and a reading light so that she can stay up late and read it. Uh, after I go to sleep. <laughs> um, but I I said to her, I was like, when you're done and I when I get Laura Olympus, I think that you should read it because I think that you're really going to like it. Um, and so I, I'm really excited for her to to dig into it because I think that she haven't been a person that has it. picked it up and hasn't loved it. So, yeah, that's good. I mean, like you think about it. It's been out since 2018. Mm-hmm. And I think that at last count. It has 1.1 billion views and over a million subscribers on Webtoon. Oh, six That's million incredible. subscribers. Yeah. That's six incredible. Million subscribers. I feel I feel like I feel like it's it's cause I I like with within our circle, I, I see people talking about it, but sort of outside of that, I don't really hear anybody talking about it. So I'm going like, well, this will be great to get it to get it wider to a uh, to a bigger audience. But I, it doesn't. This Laura Olympus does not need my help <laughs> with my with my hundred listeners uh, on this podcast, you know. But uh, but but I'm I am hoping that that a few people who maybe wouldn't have come across it 
are gonna are gonna hear us talk about it and uh, and dig into yeah. it. Yeah, I think. Um... Again, what what I said about like, you know, me wanting to cover this in mm-hmm. when the TV show comes out is that it deserves its own fandom. And if I'm just another talking voice that's talking glowingly about it, mm-hmm. that's that's all that I can, you know, I'll contribute that because it yeah. deserves that. It deserves to have the online conversations about the story. And with Webtoon, you know, you read the story, maybe it takes you 10 minutes for a comic that's particularly long, or sometimes it could take you less because there's less actual reading involved in it. Um, you're kind of in and out, right? Whereas television shows, when it's going to be this animated show, there's going to be conversations about it and it absolutely deserves to have the space it needs to take up on the internet. Mm -hmm. So that's why I want to cover it. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, I get that, that actually, that's a really great place for us to, to sort of segue into um, the question of like, why this is your perfect 10, right? Um, Like, like specifically for you, what, what, what is the connection that you have personally that that makes this something that that just uh, I, I resonates right? I, yeah, I... yeah. Uh, you know it. Okay, so <sighs> it doesn't even need the artwork that it has, and the artwork is still amazing. Mm-hmm. It, I would still read this because of the story and because of how well it takes on the themes it takes on um specifically like the tropes it covers the the way it artfully incorporates the mythology and makes it new and feel like you're exploring it again for the first time yeah i i i think it's just it's perfect in its inception and uh, what it's, what it's done for introducing these concepts to people, especially, I don't know if you know this listeners, but I am a a big mythology nerd. And so (laughs) when something like this comes along and it's done in such a wonderful way, I'm going to jump onto it. I went to London many years ago and actually got to see the uh, London uh, presentation of the musical Mythic, which is a story of Hades and Persephone as a musical. I highly recommend it. It's really, really great if you ever get to see it. It's only been presented twice, London, and then uh, one time in Ontario, Canada. Um, But the story itself, what is really, really appealing about this and the just the myth of Hades and Persephone if it's taken with a more agency focused view of Persephone is when you have these opposites like a young and uh, very naive at the start goddess who is in a growth period. She's trying to grow and become something bigger. She's trying to discover who she truly is and what she's all about. And she really hasn't been given the opportunity to do that uh, with, you know, 
her background and where she's from, which of course, you know, Demeter, the goddess of the earth. Uh, Demeter actually means mysterious mother. So she is like, you know, mother earth. Uh, she is the goddess of growth and Persephone is her daughter who uh, she originally goes by Core, which is uh, K-O-R-E, uh, which translates loosely to daughter or girl. She is the daughter of the earth. That is that is that is her name. And why does she at some point in both mythological history and in the story of Lore Olympus suddenly get a new name of Persephone, which in the comic, although in mythology it doesn't it it's all it's always associated with this sort of meaning, but it, we they don't really know the etymology of where it came from. Persephone, bringer of death. She is the death bringer. Uh, so like how do you go from kind of being just girl to goddess of death? <laughs> mm. With before even uh, really being, you know, caught up in Underworld's business. Uh, and so there's obviously a power deep inside of Persephone that is is bubbling under the surface. She struggles to manage her abilities to start. She's very young and so doesn't have a lot of experience with the world with dealing with different things, doesn't have a lot of experience with other people, doesn't really know, you know, that her own feelings on matters are valid. And through that, through kind of a heroine's journey, she discovers that her own inner power is valid and is also has been there the whole time and she can be the mistress of that and thus bring a lot of goodness to both the underworld and the world above. Hades on the other hand is old, right? So opposites, right? Young, old. Uh, he himself is one of the oldest Olympians out there. He, and they actually call him an old man a lot. Um, he's got white hair, just to kind of accentuate that. And he's kind of depressed, sad, stuck, um, reliving trauma that is, you know, millennia old. <laughs> uh, doesn't feel worthy of anything. And through the sort of interactions that they have together and the questioning of newness and transformation find their own worthiness by looking at each other through each other's eyes. They, they start to grow and change and transform. And that's actually something that has always appealed to me. I, I watch a lot of Oh, I love vampires. I love uh, Zhangzha, which is about sort of um, Chinese gods, right? Immortals from that perspective. I've always loved mythology from all cultures, especially when you have gods that are immortal, because it's like gods themselves exist and 
They don't change very often. They're kind of set in their ways. So what is something that happens that completely changes and transforms uh, a being that has so much power and has lived for eons, but can't seem to... It, it can't seem to change because they don't like when you're kind of set in your ways and you're just who you are and you have this power, nothing's going to change you. So what transforms you and what is that story that, that really entices you to get a new lease on immortal life? Uh, I also just love like all of the tropes. So the opposites continue. He's very big. From an artistic perspective, she's very, very <laughs> tiny. Yeah. Um, they're different colors, right? She's pink, this bright, bright pink, and he's this uh, dark, dark kind of uh, night blue. Um, they're, I already mentioned their age difference, but it's also kind of like the, the discovery of each other. People assume that she's innocent and thus not intelligent Mm -hmm. and people assume that he's monstrous and scary and thus not gentle and kind and it's like stripping away those layers and also finding out more about who you truly are so that in the end you can be or these characters can be whole and complete people by the end. And that's the entire reason we tell mythologically mythic structured stories is so that we can get the metaphorical literally out in the story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, man, uh, that's I, I, I get I get caught up in it. You, you, you go like that for a while and I'm just I'm just listening. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fantastic. I because I just become a podcast listener again to my own podcast. It's good. Uh, no, one one of the things that, that, that you made me think of there, it was, it's very early on in the series. Um, and it's one of the smartest things I think that that, that she did in writing this. Uh, is that we we discover so early that Hades is a dog lover, mm-hmm. um, which is obviously born of the fact that Cerberus is the the guardian of the underworld, right? He guards yeah. the gates of the underworld, and so it's this thing of like first we're introduced to Cerberus, um, who is monstrous at first, but then it turns out Persephone brings out in in Cerberus immediately the puppy right yeah um which is just this great reflection it's this foreshadowing of what is going to happen in their relationship like you're instantly like yep this is where this is gonna go um but then we also we we find out that hades actually has like nine dogs not just cerberus that he's and and they all have cute names and there's and he's got like he's he's a a, dog dad yeah yeah he's (laughs) they have personalities or whatever when we see his the only post so far as as far as i've read in the series so far the only post on fate's book that he's made is a is a post of of uh of one of his dogs dressed in a little outfit and and it's just like it's stupid stuff like that that it's like it's funny it's it makes you giggle when you find out but actually it does this amazing thing where it instantly humanizes 
Hades, who we're used to seeing as like you said, like monstrous and and evil and like you know James Woods and the Disney Hercules stuff, right? And it's like, oh, yeah. he's the bad guy, right? And it's like, oh, he's not a bad guy at all. As a matter of fact, he's just like he's he's duty bound to his job, and his job is not a job that anybody wants to have, right? Like, and and so actually, he's tragic in in that sense. Um, and he feels unloved. And so he cre- he surrounds himself with these creatures that give unconditional love. Right. And he gives unconditional love back to them. Um, and it and it instantly it instantly lets us know that actually he's good underneath whatever else he might do. He's actually like like because that that's there's the saying it's like if, if you want to know how like if a person is a good person pay attention to how they treat animals right yeah um and uh and and it's it's exactly that where like it 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 shows us right away and it also shows us that persephone doesn't judge based on exterior right she doesn't judge based on things that are on the surface like us the as the reader recognizing this in hades instantly she also recognizes this which yeah. puts us in her shoes it, it it makes us relate to her like it's just this one little aspect that if it wasn't in the story would the would those characters work as well as they do and it's just one of like a, a good like couple dozen things as we're introduced to new characters and and new aspects of the world are brought in that like it's just every every time it just strengthens all of these ideas that we have about people um and and uh you know a new character will show up like Ares and it'll mm-hmm. and it'll totally turn your perception of of Persephone on its head right and now all of a sudden yeah. like oh oh now there's all this extra backstory um and you know when when we find out that you know like that her and and Hermes have have a have a a, a backstory as well, and it's like yeah, I I and, she's way and more fi- complex than yeah, like it seems on surface, where everybody kind of dismisses her because yeah, she's young, she's small, she's uh, seems innocent, but she's got all of these things that ha- she has going for her, which is. Um, you know, fundamentally her connection, she builds connections with others very, very mm-hmm. easily. Yeah. It's yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's, it's, I mean like that, there are, there are so many aspects of it that, that like any one of them you could sit down and you could dig into. And, and that's why like, I, I, when you say that, you know, I, I, when the, when the series gets closer, you're going to start to do, those deep dives on on what the fiction it's like i can't wait because because there are so <laughs> many things that you could just take this one thing that someone says and you could probably do you know at least 45 minutes of like digging into what's what does that mean right and, and where does that come from and i mean like we haven't even talked on this episode uh, about apollo or any of that mm-hmm. stuff which which like is is one of those other uh places uh similar actually even more so than the stuff with Zeus and Hera that really makes a lot of darkness in this story yeah Yeah. it makes it makes it something more than just romance it makes it more than just humor um but it's humanistic yeah yeah there's a lot of um very difficult things that it tackles yeah and it does it um with love and with consideration and 
proper tagging of triggering content, which is yeah. rare. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and you can tell that this is written by a woman who mm-hmm. gets that yeah, these things are um important to talk about and very real for many of the readers that mm-hmm. you know are reading the comic, but he handles it with love and and care in uh in the second season um Persephone, this is a tiny bit of a spoiler, but not so much. But she actually seeks out going to therapy, which is something that Eros recommends her Mm -hmm. do um, early on in the first season. And it's refreshing that it's handled in such a good way. It's Mm -hmm. not a weird thing. It's really needed. And it helps her. And when have you ever seen a piece of fiction that has both dealt with the sort of challenge, the problem, the violence that a character mm-hmm. might have gone through and shows a way out of that in a realistic way? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll say, I'll say from, from the male perspective, um, that I mean, like, like I, I, one of the reasons why I think that that reading something like Laura Lim is, as I said before, it's like this is vital. These types of stories are vital, I think, in this day and age, and in the the cultural conversations that we're having right now. Um, thing about things like consent and 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 stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, is that 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 female perspective? I think I think men sometimes have a hard time connecting with those stories because, because they can be um, it's, it can be alienating when it's only the female perspective that's represented in that. Mm. And I, and I do think that, that she's just, she's so good at also representing the male side in a way that doesn't shy away from the, 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 the difficult aspects um, and and the dark aspects of it, but mm-hmm. while also also actually having empathy and and presenting those characters in a way where like they they truly don't see themselves as villains, mm. right? I mm-hmm. uh, and and that that is a very that what it what it shows me is that she understands the male aspect of it like like the the psychological male aspect of it but isn't um well like the character isn't beholden to defending it like a man would yeah right because 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 as a man you feel like you want to be like well but i'm not like that right so if even if you write a character that's like that you do it in a way that's like apologetic for the right, right. For, for the gender right like you're, you're like you're like oh you know there are guys and they will do things and you know it's not not all of us are that way but but i think because it's written from from a female perspective that understands that male psyche really really mm-hmm. well, well that it's that presented in that in that way which which makes it i think easier to relate to we're um, talking about a specific character <laughs> yeah but yeah 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 like we know enough about him that knows mm-hmm. that he's never been like you know when your ego gets so big yeah. you feel like you're justified to everything right yeah. and when when you're 
when you're never told and taught, you know, that violence or taking can't coexist with love of self or love of others. Yeah. You know, and, I, and we see we see that with Hades, his struggle yeah. with uh, like the violence and um, sort of the world hating him for looking so similar to his father, Kronos, mm-hmm. you know, and also him not having, I don't know, the self-esteem to to have pulled himself away from his own trauma at the start of the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's important things to talk about and doing it with fiction makes it easier as a lens yeah. into self, right? It's just the seeds of, of your own exploration with your own shadows. If you had a similar situation where you're like, no, I don't want to pass on the generational trauma I was given. Cause that's what, <laughs> that's what the Greek, you know, uh, Titan Titans, you know, we had Oronos who uh, was scared of his children. And so destroyed them until the Titans overthrew him. And then we had the Titans we had Kronos, who was scared of his children and so ate them yeah. until Zeus over- and the rest of them overthrew him and the rest of the Titans. Like, there's generational trauma in yeah. this mythology. And Hades doesn't want to continue that trauma. Which is which is so fascinating to write him. does it through him- self-hate, right? Yeah. Self-hate. He stops himself because he hates himself rather than stopping himself because he loves himself. And that's, that's the growth we see throughout the story. I love, I love the way that we're, we're really like presented with Zeus and his full disgusting splendor. I, at a certain point in the story, we start hearing more and more about his exploits. Um, (laughs) And it's, it's at the same time that, that we hear about, like like we start to to dig into Hades um and and he's thinking about you know what a potential future with Persephone would be and we and he start and he talks about the fact that he's infertile um and so what you just said about like Hades is the one he doesn't want to continue this this generational trauma but he's also like uh well I I don't want to use the wrong terminology because I don't want to make somebody who's infertile sound like they're lesser because I don't think that that's the case but like he's he's not he he, that's not his path right and Mm -hmm. yet he is he is best equipped to deal with children with having children um in that way he is a dad dog or a a doggy dad dad, yeah and yet and yet he doesn't have that opportunity and then here on the other side of it is his his older brother and his nemesis (laughs) right yeah um which both can be true i say that from experience I, I, and who, who is a philanderer of the highest caliber, right. And has children all over uh, the mortal realm, uh, demigods and, 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 and and gods and gods. And, and, um, and it's like just that wanton kind of destructive attitude. And it, and we get these like really close to like that, that Hades stuff is really close after we get the confrontation between, uh, Ares 
and Hades and sorry and Zeus that is very much like that is that is very much reenacting that generational trauma with mm-hmm. Kronos and and like with the Titans right like it yep. it it they're they're so close together that 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 to me it's like like we talk about this so we discussed this I didn't think about it as I was reading it earlier today but now we talk about it and it's like that can't be a mistake like that has to be that has to have been intentional um, or at least subconsciously intentional <laughs> um, uh, in the writing of it but it is yeah it is it is where like like so many of these strengths come out in this story of of these these archetypes that are used to then add depth to these very real conversations um and so much of it so much of it is about is about dealing with trauma and healing and being better than um sort of like like i think i think what we what people want to peg a psychosis as right like yeah people people are so so quick to go like uh uh to pathologize behavior right and then and when we do that then we we can then make excuses for ourselves once once somebody has pathologized us right like once somebody has said like oh you know so and so is that way because of blank then it's so easy for us to just live inside that and to just get mm-hmm. into that pity cycle instead of like okay now i'm aware of that now what do yeah. i do yeah then overcome so right i i'm going to i'm going to detour just ever so yeah. briefly and i'm going to talk about why like why does myth exist why does myth exist, Michael? Oh man, I, 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 you'll have a, such a better answer than I ever could. But I, I mean, <laughs> I, I, as I understand it, mostly from listening to you and Ty talk about myth, I is is uh, it's sort of the mirror thing, right? It's to it's to hold it up to ourselves and 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 to have those ways of exploring our own psyche, um, in safe ways, kind of like we've been talking about. Fiction allows yeah. us to 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 look at ourselves without actually having to look at ourselves you're Um, a very good student (laughs) (laughs) i mean like okay so so there's a long tradition of analyzing myth as to why it exists because it's so pervasive you know you look at joseph Mm -hmm. campbell you look at every story out there like even the you know i was i was brushing up on my original mythology just so I could like get wrap my head around it and there's even like a little sub you know text in in the you know in the text that I was reading all about George Lucas and his use of mythopoeia and telling Mm. the archetypical stories again inside of this textbook it's like oh okay so we're just you know we we acknowledge that these these things come back and they they bubble up in our cultures right and uh, there was a long tradition of talking about especially greek mythology and the older mythologies of the world when the world was younger and uh, the human race itself uh from a cultural perspective which you know the only reason we have culture is to survive right culture is based on shared survival we as the human race are trying to survive and live together on this blue planet this blue ball spinning in a sea of stars uh trying to just survive right that's the only reason culture exists religion politics social contracts all of that is all just there to help us coexist together and so 
a lot of people throughout history have analyzed myth and considered it to be allegorical, right? So it represents things to help people make sense of their reality. Why does thunder and lightning happen? Well, there's a very powerful God that exists on Mount Olympus that goes and produces those things. Why did somebody die before I thought, hey, you know, they they shouldn't die and then they just one day just died? Well, that was because Thanatos said, oh, or the fate said that that was their time. And Thanatos picked them up and brought them to the underworld. Where are they now? Well, they're being taken care of by the god of the underworld. Why does it turn to uh, the rainy season? Because this is this is a really interesting fact about Greece that we kind of picture winter, especially those of us that live in Canada, as the time that Hades had Persephone in the underworld. But actually, in Greece... It's the rainy season and things can still grow in Greece over the winter, but it is considered to be wet winter. So when you think about Demeter missing Persephone when she's in the underworld, she's crying, right? So it's all allegorical. It's trying to explain the world that they lived in and to make sense of what feels like chaos, and in some ways as well, there was an allegorical nature to Persephone being taken away by uh, a husband, right? So, and her mother missing her and feeling like she had no rights to um, to have her back, right? So, like, the, these were allegorical explanations that helped people make sense of the fact that, you know, this mother-daughter pair were very close, and suddenly she's married to this guy and she never gets to see her. How do you resolve those feelings and how do you work through those things? And in that way, why is retelling a myth in a modern sense with a modern sensibility like Lore Olympics actually really, really important? And this ties back to what you were just talking about, Michael. Are you are you asking me to answer that question? Oh, I don't know yes. if I can. I don't know if I'm equipped. I, I need you to tell me. <laughs> because the modern things that we face for our survival mm-hmm. are not whether our grains are growing, mm-hmm. yeah. but whether our psychology is sound. Oh, that's like like that's a that's a eureka moment. Like that's like an epiphany. <laughs> that's so amazing. Because, yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's and why we need not an adaptation. This is an iteration of mythology. It is making it poignant and beautiful for today because, Mm -hmm. you know, underneath this story, I don't know if you've caught this with where you're at with your reading and everything, but there's a constant theme of bringing up that Persephone is a fertility goddess. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Like, what did that mean in in Greek times, right? Fertility yeah. was one of the most important things that um, you could have. In fact, there was, I think, nine fertility gods in Greek mythology, including Hermes, who represented male fertility. But the idea is 
it represented everything. You know, the primary one was Aphrodite who represented, hey, I'm going to have babies. You know, I'm mm-hmm. going to have people to carry on my lineage. I'm going to have people who can help me as I get older. I'm going to have people to, you know, I'm going to ha- have children. Um, but the entire society and culture's survival was entirely dependent on whether spring came and they could grow grain. Mm-hmm. In in classic art of Persephone, she's often holding a bushel of grain because she is the reason they survive. They have food to eat. It's an agricultural society. What does fertility mean metaphorically, psychologically? It's something different. It's creation. It's creation from nothing. It's it's the ability to get yourself out of problems. It's the ability to do artwork. It's the ability to, you know, try something new. It's growth. And that's what we need. <laughs> that's yeah, the secret. Wow. And that's the ultimate power. And they, she keeps on bringing it up. Rachel keeps on bringing it up throughout the mm. comic. It's that's, wonderful. It, you know, that's so interesting because then Hades being opposite of that mm-hmm. freedom and that creation and that self-expression, Hades, under the underworld is is represented primarily as a business, right? Yeah, uh, and, and, and capitalism. They, and capitalism. <laughs> and, and what do they make? They make phones and computers. Yeah, and soft these things that, the yeah. yeah, these things that were like, were I... I chained to like shackled to right mm-hmm. um and they're and also the the source of a lot of the frustration in the story is gossip and social media and all of that sort of thing and and the, uh, and, and the which, gods yeah, represent a lot of by... that stuff oh yeah <laughs> see this is why i wanted to do this this is why i was like we have to talk about lore olympus because i'm getting into it but i need this part of it <laughs> i needed yeah. you to to bust it wide open for me i'm so glad that i've read as much as i have but i'm also really happy that i have as much as i have left to go i i because because now i get to 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 continue reading with all of this added perspective that's fantastic i uh, oh man yeah. i mean the what you want out of a story like this this fantastical story is to make mm-hmm. the metaphorical literal and mm-hmm. so that it gives people that seed of self-change that they see, oh my God, I have trauma that's similar to Hades, or I have mm-hmm. trauma that's similar to Persephone, or I'm in a a, a very difficult relationship like Hera mm-hmm. is, you know, and it, and it, you see them figure their way out in addition to dealing with these large themes and psychological archetypes that fulfill things you know many men out there as you said probably have a dad that you know is scary and large in their psyche like Kronos to Hades and Mm -hmm. fulfills this like dark father aspect (laughs) in their psyche and seeing how Hades's love for Persephone helps him conquer that emotionally is really really important for people to read 
in addition to how the mythic structure itself is a quest for wholeness for all of the characters, which gives us hope that maybe one day we can find wholeness in ourselves. <sighs> Man, <laughs> it's so good. Uh, I love I love how how something as simple as a web comic, <laughs> right? When when because when you present that to somebody, it's like, oh, what's Laura Olympus? And it's like, well, it's a web comic, <laughs> right? Um, but that medium, which can mean a lot of different things, it, it can it can mean a, a you know like a newspaper strip style web comic. It can mean a longer ongoing epic, you know. Um, it, it it but it can have this ability to transcend what that medium is. I'm so excited. I didn't know that there was an animated series in the works. That's really exciting because because to me that's a that's a medium that is definitely especially right now. I think it's it's mm-hmm. a very accepted medium. It's it's got a much wider reach than something like a web comic or even a traditional comic does. Um, and so it means and being that, on that Netflix more people means are, yeah. It's got a good chance of being viewed so as long yeah as uh, yeah as long as it doesn't get killed in the first season uh before uh, it even airs i know? mean that's, that's yeah the... <laughs> that's that's the danger with netflix yeah. right now and kind of yeah. all platforms and sort of dismissing animation my my hope is because it's being produced by jim henson am- animation that it's yeah. safe um yeah. but yeah it, it does i mean it does have a chance of of not going where we would like it to go but absolutely it it deserves the love it gets and it absolutely deserves to have you know the story completely told Mm -hmm. one of the things i really love about webtoon um which um is originally a korean company uh that uh published of course korean comics is that it's the sort of mine or the the place where stories get to try out before they end up becoming animations or K-dramas. And it has this webtoon to uh, K-drama entire pipeline built now. And this is one of the first uh, North American, well, Western, because Rachel's from believe either uh i apologize rachel if you're listening to this new zealand or australia i'll have to look it up i'm really sorry she's from that part of the world uh but you know kind of western lens that uh became popular and is now getting uh you know sort of promoted into another medium adapted of you know in an in and of itself into a new medium And my hope is that we get more of this because there are so many female creators doing webtoons nowadays, Mm -hmm. and they're an absolute goldmine for getting femme gaze, heroines journeys, Mm -hmm. uh, this deep telling of psychological wholeness that we deeply need as a culture. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I just double checked while you were talking. She's from New Zealand. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I apologize. Yeah. No, it's all good. Yeah, I mean, like that's yeah. It's look. 
I <laughs> we're expected to hold a lot of information in our brains about human beings, and we're only really designed to know about a hundred people. So uh, the fact that that we we are able to stretch beyond that as as uh, modern <laughs> humans is is impressive, anyway. So and I have an entire encyclopedia knowledge of mythology and star wars in my brain so (laughs) i I, hey i i yeah absolutely like the same thing right i mean like i know who coran horn is but for some (laughs) reason i can't remember the name of the guy that works at my at my ophthalmologist right i've i've interacted with this guy a good couple dozen times uh, he's very nice. I like him. I go to, I get my glasses done there specifically because of this one guy. Can't remember his name. Can't remember his name, but I don't, I do know Coran Horn and his entire backstory um, as well as all 151 original Pokemon. So, you know, like, and those, those are really useful things for me on a daily basis. Um, but, but can then, you sing the song? Uh, oh, the poker rap? No, uh, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't quite have that level of, of, uh, of, of, I uh, uh, recall on that one. So, so but, Michael, uh, I know, yeah. I know this is your show, but I'm going to yeah. ask you: Do you have any questions yeah. for me about Laura Olympus? Oh man. Um, okay, so it, this is tough because I'm only halfway through, kind of right. Like, I okay. like I have sort of a whole other half in season two. From of of all of it so far, what god from greek mythology hasn't shown up yet that you would love to see show up hephaestus no sorry hephaestus has shown up i apologize Has he? Um, okay uh dionysus okay yeah, yeah. hephaestus was my answer like that's right. why i keep hephaestus I'm reading is in and, there, I'm like... and he's he comes and he's amazing you'll love him okay I, yeah. I, 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 I messaged you the other day and said that like one of my favorite things, one of my favorite experiences of, of reading the comic is that like every time a new character gets introduced, I'm like, Oh, this is my favorite character now. Well, uh, Aries, when minutes. Aries showed up, I, I lost my, like, I lost it. He <laughs> yeah. is amazing. And like the relationship yeah. Aries and Aphrodite has just fits so perfectly with mythology that I like died. Um, but Dionysus hasn't shown up and I know Rachel has a plan for him. Okay. Um, I'm super invested in Dionysus in general, which I mean, those of you who have played the Hades video game, which is mm. also exceptional. I have, mm-hmm. I would love, I could also do a perfect 10 on Hades, Um, but Hades, the video game, the character that you play is Zagreus, which is another name slash, you know, divergent uh, storytelling for Dionysus, because at one point Dionysus was um, sort of dark Zeus and Persephone's child. Because at one point, there wasn't a separation between Zeus and Hades in mythology, mm. and there wasn't a separation between Demeter and Persephone. That's that's, that's very interesting. That's yeah. And so, I'm wondering if she will talk about Zagreus or bring Zagreus in mm. as an aspect of Dionysus, or if she's going to go more kind of a newer. mythology and have Semele and Zeus be the parents of Dionysus. Hmm. 
it'll be interesting. Dionysus is a great character to bring in. He brings a lot of um, truth and chaos um, <laughs> as as a god, right? Uh, and he's not born yet, so I don't think. Yeah, yeah, it's it. Yeah, that's the that's one of the things uh, uh, that I think is really fun about it is is sort of. Um, the dynamics of like of how old everybody is or is not um mm-hmm. and and the way that that uh that those dynamics can play you bring up aries right um the way that aries is both the son of zeus but like kind of a contemporary because zeus acts very childish um but then also uh, uh, Eros and Ares are like there's the relationship there, but then, but then like they are uh, 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 still contemporaries as well, like and especially like in the way that they interact with Persephone. So it's like even though Persephone's only nineteen in the story, yeah. and some of these other characters are a thousand years old or hundreds of years old, there it, it there's um. I think there's a really great metaphor for arrested development in there where that, that like some of these characters, even though they are thousands of years old, still act like children sometimes, Mm -hmm. right? Like they still have these aspects of them. And I think that, that one of the, one of the things that works there is that because they are gods and because the gods are archetypes, um, that, uh, they're, they're not well-rounded characters, right? For no. so many of them and, are not intentionally not well-rounded characters they're they're meant to be one note and so that ends up being when they're in their element they're competent or in some cases that that competence is played off as you know like sort of uh, uh awesome in the capital a awesome sense yeah uh to be feared right zeus is is that way when we see him unleashing he's a very scary character but then the rest of the time he's a joke Right. And yeah. it's that fact that like, that's the part of him that is, that is fully developed, but then his maturity is he's got the maturity of a 12 year old. Right. Um, yeah. And sort of the restraint of a 12 year old. Um, and it's, and, and she plays with that aspect of it. Like the, that sort of, I think, I think pernicious is probably one of the best words to describe it. That nature of, of the Greek gods where it's like, they kind of just do as they will. Right. Well, um, I mean, I and, think that comes to the allegory of them representing natural things, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Things yeah. that are like Poseidon being the sea, literally, allegorically being the sea, you yeah. know? Um, or, There's a, Poseidon, or Poseidon's a character we have, as far as I've read, we haven't gotten that much of. He's just sort of. No, he's just kind he, of in the background with I, his brothers. Right? I do like it when he shows up at one point and he's, he's he shows up uh, when, when Ares shows up and he shows up late. <laughs> and everybody yeah. else has sort of done the thing. He shows up late and they're, why are you so late? And he just holds up the six pack of beers. I, I, yeah. he's, he's, a, he's, he's very much of the three of them. He's the comic relief. He's the middle child uh, yeah uh, kind of forgotten i it's man i have two brothers right i have two older brothers (laughs) and um and sometimes i uh, like i i am relating very very much to hades in this story because there's a lot of stuff that i have to do even though i'm the youngest somehow i'm saddled with a lot of the responsibility in the family i and so i see that with him and like his duty and the and the whole aspect of like like, is this a choice that you made or is it a choice that people told you that you made? Yeah. <laughs> um, 
I relate very heavily to that. And there, there's a moment in like right after that scene with Ares where I, I, like the, the, the three of them, cause Hera tells them to everybody to leave everybody to get out of there. And they go, the three of them. And, uh, and, and, and he's, there, there's a moment where they're like the three of them are all like huddled up and and Zeus and Poseidon are like ready to party and happy and and Hades is just like in this like this huddle and he's just like I hate you guys I tweeted it I, where I was like I was like it's just it's just relatable it's so relatable because I just like I don't I'm not the same as my brothers uh, yeah. they're they're both jocks they're both a little bit like like they don't they don't take things as personally. They don't, they're not as, um, they're not as passionate in the way that I'm passionate, which tends to work to my detriment more than to, to my benefit. Um, like they don't, they just, they don't get invested in things in the same way that I do. Uh, and, uh, and so like, there's, there's always just this constant conflict there of like me being like, but this is important and this matters. And then them being like, yeah, but whatever, I don't care. And it's like, it's a, I know that you don't care, but I'm trying to tell you right now that I care, right? Yeah. <laughs> Why is no one ever listening to me? I, and so I just, I'm reading this and I'm just like, every time, every time that dynamic comes up with the three of them, I'm just <laughs> like, yeah, I feel that. I feel that deep in my soul. That's one of the places where I, I think that, that, that Rachel, like she just, she understands something about that male dynamic but more importantly hades and his the fact that hades doesn't fit into that hades Mm -hmm. is not like the rest of the male gods who are very much just about spreading seed right like that's that is that's a that's a motivating factor in so many of these characters uh like just their psyches right yeah i uh, and he's not there and it's like and i feel like as, as as you and i have talked about like i i'm i am so much more comfortable with women i i at celebration i ended up surrounded with all of these women i i and talking <laughs> about all of this great star wars stuff from these different perspectives that um was such a different experience from my past star wars celebrations where i was mostly with with men um but but I was so much more comfortable <laughs> this time around. As much as I love all of those, uh, uh, many of those men that I was hanging out with in the past, um, and and had a good time in those circles and stuff like that, it I, it it always feels like I have to like put it on a little bit. Like I have to mm-hmm. I have to I have to dress up in in that uh, uh, in that costume, uh, so to speak. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, like the way that she writes Hades, he is, he, he's very relatable to someone like me. That's a more, you know, the cliche, there's more sensitive guy. That's more in touch with that feminine aspect and, and that sort of thing. And, and, and more seeking that out. And then I see Hades and like in, in the underworld, he is not surrounded by men, right? Yeah. Hecate is right there and then the Furies and like the and and he has this relationship with Hera that is very deep and meaningful to him mm-hmm. um that's maybe more maybe less you know like it's it, I he really doesn't like to hang out with Thanatos too much yeah yeah he's and he's so put off whenever a guy shows up <laughs> yeah and I just like it's 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 very interesting just to to sort of I uh, like uncover those things 
and uh, and and see myself through that lens and go like, yep, yep, this is this character is very much me. The other I think part you'll of like it, this. yeah, okay, yeah. I, that makes me excited because that is because that is the character. Like I said before, it's like that's the one that I'm like, when's 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 a Feistus going to show up? Because um, that's there's so many interesting things about a a a, a, a and, blacksmith and she, <laughs> to she the does, gods, you know. Yeah, she does an amazing job of making him like in how lore olympus and the god's lands are modernized Mm -hmm. making what he does make sense Hmm. yeah it's really good good. you're gonna love it something to look forward to um i so i obviously hades is the character that i relate to the most uh for you who who do you relate to the most out of out of all of the characters in this in the series oh gosh uh I don't know that I I personally relate to any of them like mm. on a huge level except for the fact that um all of the women are incredibly competent. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, Persephone in some aspects, Hera in some aspects kind of being like this yeah. this mom, you know, this really caring mom um as well as Hecate. Uh I love her. I don't know. She's <laughs> There's this there's this scene really early on in the comic where uh, she blows off giving Persephone a tour of the facilities just so mm-hmm. she can buy a T-shirt. Like, yeah. I don't know. And then, like, she gets interrupted and just gets really mad. It's like, well, yeah, I just wanted to do my one thing. Like, I, I work hard all day long and I just wanted to do this one thing, <laughs> you know. And then you guys come yeah. in with your, like, drama and your problems. Like, can't, why can't you just solve it yourself? You know, I, yeah, yeah. she's really, really great. And, uh yeah, I I hope to get more Demeter and to understand mm. more about her. Like in the in the mythic musical that I mentioned before, I love that version of Demeter. She's totally understandable and like lovable as a mom. And her entire like reasons for trying to get Persephone back totally makes sense and work Mm. and I don't know that we've gotten that quite yet with Demeter I hear a lot of people are like very upset with her but I just don't know that we've actually gotten her perspective what's really interesting is Rachel is very familiar with the mythology and has read like the Homeric uh, hymns and has read Ovid metamorphosis Ovid's metamorphosis um and so is is really familiar with Mm -hmm. um the texts that talk about Demeter and so has been very coy about actually having her in in the comic very much right except for kind of in sort of flashbacks or from a POV of Persephone's perspective um and so I'm I'm looking forward to actually getting more of her actually um out there and and seeing what she's like yeah 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 there is an aspect of it um certainly where i'm at in the story of of her being this unseen force um and and just sort of uh i i i mean we get we do get flashbacks and that sort of thing but in the present tense she is very much just this this thing that persephone is not ready to deal with um so i'm sure i'm sure that when the story gets there when persephone is ready to deal with 
with Demeter, then then we'll get more of that. I I love the way that it plays with with the time, uh, yeah. and and like we'll switch back and forth between present day and or I mean for them their present tense yeah. and the, and and the past, um, and even also because of the nature of it being Greek myth, a little bit of the future every now and then, like when we visit the fates, I, mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. we just get the, we just get these snippets. We just get these snippets. Cause it, it the, the sort of the beauty in, in retelling a story that already exists is in both subverting expectation, but then also meeting expectation or exceeding. Right. Yeah. Um, and, Conte- and so, recontextualizing is yeah. really, really important too, right? Yeah. So, like, you know, and and one of the examples that I have is uh, Psyche and Eros, right? Like mm. we we have this this very long standing mythology, and archetypically, it's you know maybe the first Beauty and the Beast, and it's probably where Beauty and the Beast comes from. Mm. Um, and how do you make that? something that is contextualized where it's not basically he just stole her away from his from her family and yeah. uh then kind of forced her to go on a ton of trials and how do you make it like relevant to yeah you know emotionality and what he went through and i'm so happy that they're telling that p- as part of the story yeah right like it's it's yeah. they've they've spent enough time like telling that story to to feel like that's interesting and it's peppered throughout which is also great yeah (laughs) especially with where eros has been placed in relation to persephone's story right like yeah as as a a a character that she confides in um and and who is uh this this sounding board for her but then he's got he has his own messy backstory he has his own messy history but it can't be too messy because we need we still need him to be uh someone that we trust right it's yeah. uh, there's there's a lot to balance there for sure uh i man i this has been such an awesome conversation and i i i fear that we could go on forever and ever i <laughs> i uh, uh, so i think it's good uh, we can wrap it here uh for now uh but but i want to say that this is like an ellipsis when when i when the animated stuff is coming out Maybe we'll come back and we'll revisit and 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 talk a little bit more about because uh, I'm almost done season one. That's where like that's sort of how it's mm-hmm. broken up in in uh, in webtoon. So I'm almost done season one. Uh, and and the next time that we come back and talk about this, maybe we can talk about season two a little bit more and get into into that. And hopefully by then, everybody who's listened to this will also have jumped on board uh, and gotten in before all of the mainstream normies find out about how great this story is uh, when it hits Netflix. Right. Uh, uh, and then you guys can all say that you were there before it was cool. Um, like a bunch and, of hipsters. Yep. Yeah, like a bunch of hipsters. Uh, and and you can point back to Perfect Ten for the reason why. I, Marie Claire, this has been so great. This is exactly what I wanted. Um, it's, <laughs> oh, I'm it, glad. It, I'm glad to meet expectations. Yeah. Oh, exceed expectations. <laughs> Exceeded expectations for sure. Um, the fantastic thing about this is that you and I had this conversation. The next episode of Perfect Ten is uh, is is going to be a conversation with Ty. Uh, oh. we're going to be talking about a nice tale. So that's, that's what I have oh, next wow. on the schedule. 
yeah that's great and I, i'm super excited for that one too i i yeah okay. they, this podcast is just an excuse uh, yeah go ahead go ahead okay uh watch a night's tale with the yeah. cast commentary on okay I will, you know what? I'll do that because I've watched it so many times. I don't need to just watch it again, but I will watch it with the cast commentary for sure. Paul Bettany I haven't is done a that gem. Before. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. yeah th- this <laughs> this podcast is just an excuse for me to grab my favorite people from the internet and make them talk about the things that they love, so that uh, so that we can just share. <laughs> we could just share in the love of these things. Um, it's great. Yeah. Uh, thank you so, so much for being on the podcast. Let everybody know where they can find you and all of your great content. Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, I have been Marie Claire Gould, and I run a podcast that talks primarily about Star Wars and mythology and sort of, uh, in a lot of ways, why Star Wars works, uh, called What the Force. And I also have another podcast called what the fiction which uh i sometimes do videos associated with on youtube which i talk about everything else i want to talk about and again i will be talking about laura olympus when the show comes out so come back and catch me then fantastic yeah i i mean anybody who's listened to me for the last two years i is probably just sick of me recommending but (laughs) but i can't recommend enough uh what the force as a podcast, like it, it completely changed my perspective on Star Wars, um, and uh, I opened my eyes to so many aspects of it, of the mythology that I was missing out on. But it also then opened up so many other things in other stories, and also you know your your conversations about Marvel stuff on What the Fiction. Uh, likewise, so oh, yeah, I did do uh, that for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't recommend What the Force enough. I, I I would say also go to Patreon and support over there and get it early. Uh, while, and while you're over there, you know you can also support Thunderquack, uh, and uh, and and get this podcast early and uh, other bonuses and such. But you guys will hear all about that in the rigmarole. I will be back. Um, actually, this week you'll also if you're if you're a supporter at the five dollar level or above. You'll also get an episode of Off the Record, which I'll record later tonight um, to put out uh, uh, alongside this one. I have no idea what I'm going to talk about, but I don't know. That's usually how it is. I figure it out. I figure it out on the day. I I, <laughs> I hit record and then I talk. Um, uh, but the next episode after that uh, will be uh, Force Perspectives with Curtis Finley. I, I, which Curtis and I have done a lot of podcasting together, but we have not talked about Star Wars that much. Um, and uh, it was very structured because we were talking about the the comic books. Um, so I, he'll be on Force Perspectives to talk about his favorite aspect of Star Wars. Uh, and I'm very curious to find out what that's going to be because uh, it's not a conversation. We, he and I talk about a lot of stuff but we don't really talk about Star Wars that much. So it's going to be new to me as well. Uh, uh, so I'm excited for that one. That should be out uh, in a couple weeks. Uh, and then after that, like I said, we've got Ty uh, coming on to talk about A Knight's Tale uh, in October. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, th- thank you, Marie Claire, for, for coming on the podcast. And uh, I will catch you on the next one. Thunderquack Perfect 10 is hosted by me, Michael Cohen. Follow us on Twitter at ThunderQuackPod, on Instagram at ThunderQuackPodcast, on Facebook at ThunderQuack, 
and join us on Discord at thunderquack.com Discord. Support the podcast by heading to patreon.com thunderquack to get early access, bonus episodes, and the Thunderquack Perfect 10 pop quiz. Thunderquack Perfect 10 is part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Thanks for listening.